In our last episode, we played volleyball with the idea of who was saving whom, finding a way back from the endless string of damaging compromises and the hard work of being the first to lay down your weapon to find it a way to make peace. I don't know about you, and maybe this is intentional. I have no idea how possible that's going to be after watching The Lost and The Plunderers. We have no choice but to witness Simon's extermination of the Junkyard Gang and, to add insult to injury, screamed at our television sets when Rick unremorsefully abandons Jadis, knowing that she's the only one that remains. Carl would not have wanted this, and Michonne knows this. I I, I just can't anymore. And when that happens, I surrender the mic over to my emotional crutch, the voice of reason (laughs) in my mind of madness, the woman who always rides shotgun in the squawking deadmobile, Carol. Well, at the risk of saying I told you so, I told you so, I called it (laughs) on Simon and his extermination of the garbage people. Yeah. I I had a feeling it was going to happen when they showed the beginning and we realized that they all had been killed because, you know, obviously the way this episode was done is it's very segmented. So, you know, they they play around with time a little bit because I think that the very first card, I want to say like quote unquote card was the Michonne card. Right. So I think that we, at the initial start, we see them go to the junkyard and realize like, oh, uh oh, we kind of find out early on, like, okay, clearly something happened here. As it unravels, we kind of see exactly what happened. But I was not surprised to see. We do like a little backtracking as the episode continues. Like we find out how horrible things went. (laughs) Right. Right right from the beginning. In medias rests, as they call it. Exactly. Exactly. And I, again, the letters, I, I was, I wasn't totally sure when I had speculated, oh, maybe there was a a letter to Negan in there, but bam, there it was. The letters to several people, including a letter to Negan. You had this like strong, but like, wouldn't it be cool if, if Carl wrote a letter to Negan and then you're like, yeah, it'll happen. You're like, I'm not sure this is going to happen. Right. I wasn't. But then it finally did. Yeah, I wasn't completely sold, but I thought to myself, okay, you know, these are Chekhov's letters, you know, <laughs> like these, the, they're showing us these letters for a reason. These letters are going to mean something and it was a stack. So, and also like my thing was, well, how is Negan going to necessarily find out about Carl's death? I mean, it turns out that he basically finds out from Rick directly, right. but I don't think Rick would have necessarily be as inclined to share that information had it not been for the letters. Right, right. So knowing that Carl had wanted to have some sort of communication with Negan, and I think he kind of mentions that, but that's not going to happen. That, I mean, that exchange was a little odd. Negan and Rick at the end of the episode. I mean, I think this whole episode very much painted a very, I don't want to say completely rosy picture of, of Negan, but right. in a way, a, kind of, because between Simon and, and Negan, obviously Simon is very much like the vicious psychopath in this episode. And even between his conversation between him and Rick, Rick's points don't necessarily make a whole lot of sense because to call him up on the walkie-talkie, you know, because he initiated that conversation... And to kind of say, like, you know, Carl said this happened, you know, he wanted this, this, and that, but that's not going to happen because I'm going to kill you. Right, it's right, just right. kind of like... But, like, whatever. Yeah, right. I'll, worry about, I'll worry about that when, when you're gone. 
Right. So it was a little strange, especially because on Negan's part, he was like, look, is this gone far enough? This didn't have to be this way. Again, not that I'm saying that he makes total sense, but he was kind of being the more reasonable of the two, whereas Rick is, he's feeling very much revenge minded. But that's not what Carl would have wanted, you know? Right, like, right. if you're really honoring, trying to honor his wishes, I mean, Rick didn't even read the note directed to him. He's just not ready to listen. I, I, I don't think he's really processed what's happened with Carl clearly. The last conversation, Carl was very clear of what he, we wanted to see happen. He's still hell-bent in the same direction. Whereas I think Michonne realizes, hey, that that's not what Carl would have wanted. Yeah. As some of you may or may not know, I reposted episodes one and two because when we started podcasting, uh, I realized that we could save a lot of time by taking out some of the silences between uh, the back and forth between Carol and I. We only started using that on episode three and, and even shoddily at that. But once I started editing, I just started listening to our old episodes. And one of the things I picked up was that, um, you know, we were talking about how they were invading the armory and all that. And we had seen that, you know, Rick and Daryl, and, and I think almost everybody was on the same page in terms of, you know, we got to kill these guys. We got to end the saviors. And it it wasn't until we got to baby Gracie's room and he killed Gracie's father that Rick killed Gracie's father. Right. That, that was the point where Rick kind of snapped out of it a little bit. Right. And even to the point where when he was watching Daryl be so, you know, cold and brutal, right. he kind of recoiled a bit. And I feel like what's happening here is that we were it's like the world is basically pl playing ping pong with Rick's emotions mm -hmm. and he's bouncing back between falling behind those lines of survival mode, rage mode, you know, end the, end the mode and then like humanity. And it seems like it's been the theme of the season. And that that's what the season should have been called, I think. <laughs> Instead of all out war, it should have been called May My Mercy Prevail Over My Wrath. Yeah. You know yeah. what I mean? And, it, and, and I think that would have been way more apt. I mean, that would have been way it, more appropriate. <laughs> For the entire season. Yeah. yeah. And, and, and you know what? Once you think about this season in that uh, matrix, in that kind of framework, the whole season really kind of snaps into place. And you really start to understand all the episodes until this point, mm -hmm. at the very least. Yeah. From every perspective, from like Morgan to Negan to Rick mm -hmm. uh, to Michonne. And then Carl is kind of that focal point that middle point like, right. of, of, yes, I can kill, but yes, I, I can also put down my weapon. Right. And then in addition to that, you know, actually save people. Right. Like, who's the savior now, bitch? Uh. You know, it's Carl, and now I'm dead. So... <laughs> Some of the subtle things that you notice right from the beginning is that Michonne is still stuck on the idea of Alexandria yes. being still the place. Like, why close the gate? Who cares? Mm. Why put out the fire at the pergola in the middle of the square? Right. You know, why, it, why bother? Right. You know, at this point, mm -hmm. you know, we, I mean, if anything, you could just rebuild. And, mm -hmm. and it ties like the idea of Michonne being stuck as well. Like, as much as Michonne is, I think, starting to slowly come out of this fog, mm -hmm. you know, questioning motives throughout the episode but still trying to be respectful of his his emotions and feelings and you know fulfilling carl's wishes of kind of watch out for my father you have to be the strong one right she's still like tied to this idea of like maybe keeping carl's memory alive mm -hmm. by putting out the fires 
you know, and, and she, you see her fall apart here and there. You know, she sees the blue paint, yeah. you know, the blue handprints right. at the house. One of the questions I actually had, though, was, and I want to pick your brain on this one, is that most of Alexander was blown to bits. I thought but about that. If, <laughs> yeah, yeah. if you notice, Rick's house was still kind yes, of intact. really intact. Right. And, and it got me thinking, like, was Negan really kind of conscious of that and maybe did not want a chance killing Carl? I, I, I thought about that. Or Gracie. I remember when the attack on Alexandria happened, initially he went to wait for Rick at his house. So right. it was like that house was, I guess, kind of deemed off limits because he was, because Negan was going to be there waiting for them to come to confront them there. And obviously, you know, they had their confrontation. It makes sense if you think about what this episode brought forth in terms of Negan's reaction of mm-hmm. Carl being dead. Right. It, it was just, it struck me as very odd that it was pristine. Like yes. you go into the, it's like a kitchen I would want, oh, I, yeah. which I don't have. I know. <laughs> so, and like, look at the produce. I don't even have that produce, you know, oh, yeah. post-apocalypse. My kitchen looks like The Walking Dead compared to this one. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, look, look at those tomatoes. Yeah. Which also, if you look at the, if you think about the tomatoes, Hark- huh? tomato food. harkens back to when he made to- yeah. when he made spaghetti for Carl. Yeah. Oh, made, that's true. Made spaghetti. I was thinking more of the. That's actually really good. Uh, but I was thinking more of like Carl's fantasy oh, that's true. about that is true. Negan picking tomatoes, yeah, or growing tomatoes. So maybe yeah. the whole picking tomatoes came from that. Came from well, Negan did make Carl spaghetti. <laughs> maybe, maybe that is a good thought. That is a nice, sweet thought. Yeah. You know, they're driving away and, and Rick's first thought is immediately to, uh, you know, obviously survival mode. Right. Like, so he's still trying to enact the plan. He's still trying to force yes. things. And he wants to go back to the junkyard gang. Which Michonne looks a little incredulous at him. Like, well, yeah. Really? How are you not processing this? I'm, I'm all over the place, basically. Right. It's, it's like Michonne's look. Like, how are you not debilitated? Right. You know? Exactly. Like I am. But then we immediately kind of pan to Negan, mm-hmm. you know, after the commercial break, of course. Of course. I, I love how the first thing he, he says mm-hmm. is how impressed he is with Carl. Yeah, yeah. He, In spite of everything, you know. In spite of everything, he gives him credit. He is impressed with his his skills. He always saw a lot of potential in him and he just wanted to mold him into his image of what he could have been, but he respected the hell out of him. Right, right. Given what we knew after, you know, when the season started and compared to what we thought we knew in the last season or last two seasons, you would have thought that Negan would be furious, you know, Mm -hmm. like initially. But, you know, after watching the season, you really kind of get the idea that, okay, First of all, there's two there's two interplays here. There's two sides of the coin. The first and obvious coin mm. is that this guy has got balls of steel. Right. <laughs> you yeah. know? Like he's so confident that he can get Carl to his side and get Carl to yeah. see things his way. And confident that like he'll just not conquer the Alexandrians, but like, hey, they're gonna be a resource, they're gonna be our resource. Right. And so there's that. And that's kind of obvious throughout. But then, you know, after really kind of getting a sense of the season and knowing Negan's philosophy is is all about the resources, mm-hmm. it's just it's just this idea that yes, I'm confident that he'll be one of us, but but also that he gets this world, you know, that he right. that uh that I won't kill everybody, you know, which is something that we didn't think would would be his philosophy like uh, you know i kill as only as in as much as i need to make an example of other people right. to get them to fall right 
which is kind of cool because then that means, you know, he wants to capture these clever, clever people or at least convince them people like Carl, right. like these he, diamonds in the rough, like once in a lifetime comet. He understands that, you know, people are a resource. And it's kind of like any time where you see people that can be helpful, you want them on your side and you want to, to basically utilize their talents. You know, if you're a good boss, you want to utilize people's talents. <laughs> basically if you're a good one if yeah. you're if <laughs> yeah, i'm speaking in terms of middle management you know <laughs> but he has a very uh, strategic approach you know there, there's a strategy as to why things are done the way they're done and it's not done in an arbitrary fashion and right it's targeted it's yeah. targeted with a means to the end and Simon obviously has a very, very different point of view. And through their conversation, we see very much how different they are. Oh, the opposite. Yeah, exactly. That, which is great. You know, you mentioned Carl, who, he's, who's so clever, who gets this world. And all of a sudden, you see Simon automatically not get it. No. And it's and it's the tension is just right right especially between simon and egan right. yeah especially when simon goes as far as thinking that hey that they should just take the loss and basically say well screw this let's just move to another area and find other communities which i was like wow oof, he just wants to is basically call it a wash and say forget it this is a this isn't worth it, which I was surprised. I was surprised. Yeah, think about it. Like Negan said scorched earth, but that's just nothing compared to Simon's oh, yeah. uh, bloodlust. Right, right. And Negan was, was very clear with Simon in terms of people are resources, no matter what, plain and simple. Whether Simon agrees with it or not, those are the orders. It kind of goes back to what I said just a few minutes ago. You would think that with Alexandra evading Negan, Negan would be Negan would be the Simon, right? Let's say, right? And yes, Hilltop brings Dean, pissing Dean in a box, pissing undead right. Dean, and Simon loses his S H I T over yes. it. Yes, and and you know what? Negan is calm and collected, yeah. and it's Simon Simon's people that that are in the Hilltop, right? And yet, compare these two people, Negan and Simon. Mm -hmm. After what they both go through, you know, Negan is, try is still cool, calm, collected, still has yeah. all the balls. And Simon is just, look, Hilltop's is, Hilltop is kind of on the ropes. Mm -hmm. You know, they, they got their message and yet they're still, uh, you know, stubborn. But still, like, they're there. Mm -hmm. they, they know where they are. You know, Simon doesn't have to flip his, you know, wig, but right. still. Right. And yet, you know, Simon is on the warpath. He's like, let's kill them all. Let's, let's mm -hmm. bring them down. And then, you know, Negan just brings Lucille down. It, you know, we do it the standard way. You know, we do it our we way. Do it our you know, way and, and tells them like you're gonna do your job that's it which brings me to this question because you and i both i'm not gonna say we both know that simon was responsible for oceanside but we know that simon is responsible I'm for oceanside. 95 98% convinced that he's responsible for the deaths at oceanside because i've right. said from the beginning that it just was a major curveball for me when that whole like oh he killed all the men and boys over 10 i was like that does not sound like something the negan character would do and i always right. said At that knowing what we know yeah it, it made no sense it made absolutely no sense and think about the reveal too, because judging from the like from when we first met Simon and Negan, Simon was all cool, collected, did not actually do any violence in the beginning mm -hmm. at all. Mm -hmm. Think about that, right? And now we're slowly seeing that the the 
pass like ships in the night, at least from our perspective on what we're starting to find out about them. That, oh my gosh, basically Negan is like the Atlas. You know, he's keeping the world together while Simon is hell bent to kind of weigh it down and destroy it. You know, that's where in his name, you really start to see that dynamic. Yeah, exactly. Like the Lucifer to God. Right. Right. He's like the damn uh, Negan, you know, to hold that back. Yeah. And, but, but this is my question though, knowing what we know about Oceanside and Negan knows Simon's brutality. He knows what crowd he's rolling with. It makes me really think about why he would trust him to, I mean, I, I get why he would trust him to go to the junkyard because, okay, it's not the satellite outpost. He's not going to be dealing with that. You know, it's, he's too personally invested. He, he may just kill all of them. Right. You know, that sort of thing. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, I'm thinking to myself, he's already made this mistake once, like bad. Mm -hmm. And judging from his interaction with him in the conference room, you would think Negan would like hold back, Mm -hmm. you know, like I don't think he's ready for this, you know, but instead he kind of, I think maybe that's Negan's downfall is, is, is his overconfidence is there's too much balls on the table. And I think, I think maybe that's it, but I want to get your take on it. But like, it just, it seems like you're saying, I think that part of it too, is just limited resources. You know, he has his limited lieutenants. And and the thing is that, you know, we've always seen from the beginning, Simon is his right-hand man since like day one, when Negan walked onto set, it was like Negan and Simon for better or worse. Simon is like the most trusted one, right? Yeah, I guess Simon is the one who's going to follow through. And he has the intimidation on his side that a guy like Gavin, obviously yeah. Gavin's gone. Negan doesn't realize that yet since he mentions like, oh yeah, Gavin's, you know, I'm just waiting to hear back from Gavin. It's like, well, mm, that's... <laughs> That that's not happening. And where do I where do I tell you about this surprise, yeah. Negan? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Turns out Gavin's in trouble. Yeah, they they're all gone. But he does seem to be cognizant of the fact that Simon is a little trigger happy. We got semblance semblance of that or and signs of that, you know, even in the first half of the season, you know, he loses his patience with Simon. I think it is in the episode where he ends up being stuck in the um trailer with Father Gabriel, I think he oh he, he kind of loses his patience with him. He makes a comment, oh, are, yeah. are, you ba- are we backsliding? Are we backsliding? Yeah. And at that point it's when that was calm. mentioned, that's when I started getting thoughts of like, okay, clearly there's some sort of history here where <laughs> Simon has definitely have a history in the past of unorthodox behavior according to Negan and his orders. And that's what made me start thinking about, like, well, you know what? Maybe he's the one responsible for Oceanside. And the more as time right. has gone on, yeah, I'm like almost 100% convinced that that's what, right. that's what we'll eventually find out. And either Negan's going to be the one to take down his own right-hand man, or the Oceanside is going to have like the privilege and luxury to be able to take down Simon themselves and you know get their their revenge on their fallen oh, yeah. people. I think it'll likely be Oceanside, you know, being able to get their revenge just in terms of poetic justice. I don't think that Negan will take him out necessarily. I think a lot of people thought that because of some of the clips in the trailer where like uh, Negan looks like he's kind of turning and striking something. Some people thought like, oh, is that Simon? Is he hitting Simon or something like that? I don't think that's the case just because of what I think is happening in that scene. I don't think it has anything to do with Simon or, any, or anybody else. 
it's a very interesting dynamic as we see it kind of continue to unfold. And yeah, I mean, and you know what? I kind of hope for Simon's sake that Oceanside does take Simon out, you know, because the, the alternative is a gory Lucille right. bloodlust scene with, you know, Simon, right. you know, at the hands of Lucille. Yeah. yeah. It just doesn't seem like it's kind of like I'm hoping for my sake that it's that no. Oceanside gets it because I don't want to see that. Just, like it'd be quick and painless right and i and i think that the way this show operates too is that once we saw what happened to glenn and abraham it's like that's it you're not going to see anybody else ever get lucille again even if negan kills anybody else from what i've noticed it's like since that episode it's like yeah he may kill somebody else but you're it's never going to be the same thing like when he killed the doctor mm. it's like he didn't lucille the doctor he threw him into the oven you know but oh yeah but it's like you know it's it's never it's never going to be another lucille situation thank god I'm not sure about that. I know that that it really struck the viewers and I know it really like sent alarms off throughout the internet. Right. But it's like when you think about, oh, it's never going to happen again. Oh, at least like, don't tell me that it won't. Right. <laughs> like, I still like the possibility I mean, to like, enjoy the, the, the threat uh-huh. of it happening. It, again. And, you know, I say that, but they could be building a false sense of security. As this show often does, as, by the as way. As they can, they, as they <laughs> often do, and they totally can. So like, that's yeah. just my own speculation, but I could be completely off, obviously. So Which which is always thrilling. Which is always being completely wrong. Exactly. Because it's like, hey, you know, surprise me. Yeah, yeah. But I'm glad we talked about that because because it feels like to me that this is Negan's first huge mistake, mm. you know, letting Simon take uh, take care of the junkyard gang when right. he that and then some. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, immediately after this, we flip over to Enid yeah, and Oceanside. Finally, you know, we're getting we're getting we're finding out what happens to her and Aaron. Yeah. And my first thought watching the just things opening up is that I, what's that little kid's name? Because she's like a little bitch. Yeah. The little. <laughs> oh, Let's just kill them already. <laughs> what was her name? You know, middle finger emoji yes. was my first thought. Like yeah. Tara. With Tara, what was her name? Yeah, she's pretty psychotic. Yeah, her and Henry. Yeah, they're they're both. Just, yeah. Yeah, actually, that was the first thing I thought of. Like, what, I literally wrote this: What's with kids jumping to killing people lately? Between Henry and that girl, I mean, and all the you. The, these are kids, the race in the apocalypse, man. You know, so it's like they don't know life any other way. Oh, I mean, not completely, but kind of. You know, this apocalypse is going on for how many years? How old can she possibly be? She yeah. doesn't probably remember much before that. All she knows is like, well, <laughs> gotta kill these things. Okay. Yeah. Ever since ever since her computer went online, that all she's known is this apocalypse. Yeah, pretty <laughs> much. Same with Henry, probably. Yeah. And that's it. You know. So it's like. Yeah. I, that's a good observation, though. Yeah. So I I get it, but yeah, these kids, man. <laughs> kids today. Oh, they're intense. <laughs> with the moida. Oh, they're intense. Yeah, but that's a very good point. And what's good about that is that you see these juxtapositions mm-hmm. of, you know, the kids growing up in the apocalypse. And Carl was kind of of that generation. He was like the. And he had his moments where he was like that too. And he could be yeah. reined back in, you know? Yeah. And it's good that he, that he brought up the prison yeah. thing right before he died mm-hmm. because that really does exemplify the idea of, you know, I could have been one of those kids. Right. But, you know, you 
you, you fathered me. You gave me love. You showed me the way. Herschel was the one who kind of sat with Rick and was like, whoa, whoa, whoa. It's like, you need to start parenting this kid, you know, because I think that was all happening at a time where I think Rick was kind of in his midst of Lori grief, talking to random ghosts on the phone. Oh, yeah. Seeing Lori, uh, Lori's ghost or visions of yeah, Lori. Yeah, visions of Lori, like answering the phone to nobody. That was crazy. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah, he was, uh, yeah, he, he, Rick had issues during that time. But yeah, he was not an active parent during that time, which allowed Carl to kind of slip a little bit into this sort of kill mode and allowed a bit of an opening for the governor to, to come and attack because he was kind of in his own little world. But Herschel, I think, was the one that kind of like snapped him back to earth and said, hey, you better jump in here. But yeah, Carl did mention that. It's very easy to succumb to this kind of mindset. That life, yo. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> What's good about that is that you have this interaction with this kid. You know, It's just this one line that this kid said and immediately after you go into this idea that Enid sees Cindy squirming, right? Mm -hmm. Like she's not comfortable with this, no. you know, this, this whole this no. cycle of violence. Yeah, she knows Natanya, and she knows that Natanya did not have to go out there to kill them. Right. She could have waited until they came to Oceanside, you know, and then they would have dealt with them, yeah. you know, with the alarms and then coming out with guns right. and, and dealing with them, you know, in a just ma fashion. But like Natanya was all about killing. Mm -hmm. And Cindy was was constantly about, you know, we got to hold on. You know, the, it kind of harkens back to what Carl said to Judith, you know, right before mm -hmm. he, he left us, is that, you know, sometimes the kids have to show the parents the way. Right. Yeah, that's and, true. And that's exactly what Enid did. She kind of, she kind of saw the chink in the armor. She went for it, but in the best way possible. Right, right. And and I thought that was, and I love this back and forth. This back and forth between succumbing to this to the easy way, like the kid was mother kid, right. and in the hard way, you know, and and you know, you have people around Cindy that are kind of just reinforcing the bad way, mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. Natanya's way, and you know, it, it's it was good to see that Cindy was merciful enough. I mean, and then I think it was a very good move, you know. Now look, she spared them, but said, "Just don't come. Tell me if this is over, but don't come back." Right, exactly. You know, I don't want to see your faces again. Right. Yep, I think that was fair. I think that was completely fair. Now here's the question: Aaron stays behind, right. and I think the way Aaron is going to play this is that he's going to stand outside of the walls. Like he he said to Enid. I'm not going back there. But I do think that Aaron is going to stay in the front, close enough so that they see him there. Mm -hmm you know, as like maybe a reminder, but I'm wondering if this is going to get him hurt because do you think Aaron has like a death wish? That's uh, really my question. I don't, Cause that happens to people sometimes. I know. I don't think he does. He's never been one to cower to shy away from being on the front line, which is very impressive. Not that he's like a, a frail character or anything like that, but he's definitely not at first glance somebody who's some aggressive fighter that's just sort of ready to go into combat like the way Daryl is or, or the way Rick is or, or Abraham was or anything like that. Aaron was kind of like Glenn in the sense that the, these are rational-minded people, you know, if I think of Aaron and Glenn, but Glenn, if needed 
who would take up his weapon and fight if necessary. And same with Aaron. He won't necessarily shy away from a battle, especially if he feels it's, it's in the right for the overall good of what needs to happen. I think that he very much is convinced that they need Oceanside's help. And I think that he thinks that he's the one that's going to be able to, to sway them somehow, some way. I don't know. <laughs> but yeah. he apparently has some sort of, he's, he's got a vision and a plan that he feels that he can enact. Do you believe in him is the question. Um, <laughs> like, just based on the fact that this show goes the way it goes. Right. You know? I mean, I just, I'm not sure necessarily what his plan would be. That's the thing that I'm like, how exactly are you planning one swaying this community in your favor? You kind of came and basically took all their weapons and now you shot their, their Nana. Like, I just don't quite uh, understand how he envisions like pulling this off. So I'm yeah. sort of like, all right, you, you do what you got to do, Aaron. But yeah, I, I can't envision how he would do that. No. It's also the junkyard gang's dilemma. They were very cautious. They didn't want to get involved. Right. You know, they wanted to stay on the right side of history, yeah. quote unquote, mm-hmm. like with the victors, you know. And you almost can't blame the junkyard gang for being the way they were, right. you know, at the same time. And in Oceanside, is actually, when you think about it, Oceanside's kind of playing it wrong. Mm hmm. Uh, by letting them go, by giving up their weapons. And that's the same playbook as the Saviors, if you think about it. Saviors did the same thing. So if you think about it, it would be very difficult to predict a positive outcome with Aaron. But based on past interactions, you could maybe extrapolate that, yeah, they're maybe something there yeah. it, but it, it just it's just like the pendulum like it, like Oceanside's gonna only take crap so much mm-hmm. before the pendulum swing, swings the other way mm-hmm. so this is what makes it kind of exciting to to kind of think about and and you know wait and watch because you really don't know how wild that pendulum's gonna swing if at all and if it does if it doesn't and it just stays on the other side well that's fine and dandy but we know how the show goes sometimes right <laughs> so Right. Think about this. Enid and Aaron, right? There's this line where Enid says, you know, she had to do it. You know, if I had to do it, she had to kill Natanya. And if she had to do it all over again, she would. And, and it's good that she knows that she could. And when you were talking about Aaron uh, and his, and his, his version of courage and bravery, I'm wondering if Aaron would be able to do the same for Enid, just based on that character. I think he would, but I think, I think maybe he would, but I think he might be tortured by it. But I'm wondering what you think about that, because... There's an interesting juxtaposition between these two people. Enid is more clear-minded, but also maintains that moral compass, whereas Aaron might be a little bit, you know, maybe from that generation removed where he still remembers positive times and she, he might hesitate before killing Natanya, you know? Mm-hmm. So I'm wondering what you think about that, because is Aaron the right person to do this? Yeah, maybe. I think maybe Aaron is the right person, but it's just this this interesting dynamic between, you know, if Aaron had to kill Natanya, do you think that would have been the same outcome? Um, God, that's a tough one. Right? That is a tough one. I mean, on the one hand, let's just think about this for a second. Remember who Aaron was. Aaron was probably the only one in Alexandria that was going out to bring people yes, in. Yes, exactly. And, and Alexandria was like blissfully ignorant yes, of the outside. Very much so. Because they could afford to be. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that was kind of, he was the brave person among, yeah. like, I'm not saying unbrave people, but, but like yeah. very... It's true. Insular, sheltered people, right? But, you know, and then you compare that to Enid, who's just playing outside, you know, just surviving somehow. 
and all that. And yet, you know, they somehow meet somewhere in the middle. Like right. Aaron, obviously, he's putting his life in danger to try to get get survivors yeah. and bring them to community. But you know, at the same time, Judith is running away and surviving. And and now now she's kind of catching on to what needs to be done. Right. And and like she said in Talking Dead, like she she's just moving beyond just survive somehow and extending that bubble of just surviving somehow to not just herself but to other people, the people she loves and cares about. And so I think that makes her kind of like Aaron, but a little bit more clear-minded. Like she has those survival instincts, but she's extending the kindness. So I, I don't know. It just makes me think about those two people and how them hugging at the end kind of mm-hmm. was maybe like a transfer of power. Maybe it was a reminder to Aaron to not be stupid <laughs> like me, you know, right. Enid had her moments. Oh, yeah. With Carl, with, with Glenn, yeah. you know, Maggie. Yeah, that's a good point. It was a tough thing. Yeah, for her to come back from that. It's going to be very interesting to see her reaction to Carl's note because remember, yeah. Enid doesn't oh know, God. obviously, at oh, this man. point, what's happened. And I'm, I'm, I'm going to say that it seems pretty likely that the next episode, she will find out. <laughs> yeah, it, it's looking like that. Yeah. But yeah, now from this, we move immediately to Simon. Yes. And this is the rough one. Mm-hmm. <laughs> So the, the first thing I do notice is that I think Simon does actually give it the college try. Mm-hmm. You know, he tries to do it Negan's way. He really does. He, he I think did. He, really, he did. He, much to his vocal chagrin, by the oh, way. Yeah. <laughs> like, like he's like, I know I don't want to do this, but I'm going to do it. Yeah. And it's okay because I'm a savior and that's what we do. But I'm not going to be happy about it. Right. But I'm going to. You do see Jadis comply. You think that things are going to go well. I mean, sort of. Right. We, we do kind of know the outcome. It, the one thing that I want to kind of talk about is, okay, we know what happens, but right before what happens happens, Simon's just looking for excuse to find out what the deal is with the helipad yes. and the solar, solar panels. And if, if you remember, the helicopter was one of those things that we were wondering about when Rick was going to the junkyard yeah. gang the first time. And never mentioned again until just now. But yeah, helipad and solar panels. So I'm wondering, do you do you have any inklings of what that could mean? And I mean, like you said, like you said from the beginning, this junkyard gang is completely out of just fiction. Like it's not even part of the Walking Dead comic book. Exactly. So it's anybody's guess how they you know potentially can pivot. And, and use them, but you definitely get the impression that wherever they are in, in terms of the junkyard itself, potentially could have been some sort of base, potentially. I mean, we are in the Virginia area. Oh, yeah. This area is very much a military area, and we definitely still got reminders of that in the past couple of seasons and you know i think about when abraham was able to get that rocket launcher that daryl <laughs> mother dick yes that daryl inevitably used to blow up was a little timmy and the dick brigade that's what megan uh, <laughs> called him you know like but he pillaged it off of some walker soldier and even the episode where rick and michonne are trying to get weapons and they're in this sort of like circus carnival sort of like right. setting right again it was a lot of dead military and that's where they got a lot of the weapons so they're still very much in a military zone so right the fact that it's like a helipad solar panels 
I, I definitely get the impression. And I think that at one point, Simon tries to press Jadis and ask, like, what was this before? And obviously not good enough for him right. at all. Because he knows that there's more to it. What was this place? And she's, you know, obviously doesn't give him the answer that he wants or right. that we would want. And that gives him his in, too, by the way. That, that, get, that leaves it open for him to do what the hell he wants, too. Right. It's crazy. Right. But I, I do think that there's more to this junkyard. I think that there is, I, I think for very, it could potentially have been a base there. It could potentially have been a fallout shelter or something mm. also there. Because I think the other potential indicator is after all her people are, are dead and gone. And she like goes to what, like a filing cabinet and takes out some box of like oh, yeah. applesauce and stuff like that. You know, I, I wonder about that too. Where, where are these resources coming from? But I mean, on the flip side, it could have been the stuff that they stole when they captured Gabriel. He was packing up the car from the garbage people that kidnapped him or whatever. He gave them a bunch of supplies that he put in the trunk of the car. I, I was thinking about the applesauce because I, at one point I thought, is this all part of goods that are kind of stored in this this area that they're in or whatever? But then I thought to myself, mm, well, that might be the stuff that they just got from Father Gabriel when they um, you know, mm. kidnapped him, especially because the boss. I think had said something like shelving or something. Like oh, shelf life, shelf or, something, life yeah. or something like that. So I'm like, oh, that might be, or but or maybe not. Like, I mean, the other thing to remember, going back again to that episode with um, Rick and Michonne getting the weapons carnival. in the carnival. At one point, remember they were on a roof and they crashed through it, and they ended up in in this building that was just full of military food and 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 canned oh, yeah. goods and this or whatever. You know, they had themselves a little feast. So you know, it does make me think: was this potentially a military base before? And that's why they conveniently set up shop here because there are resources to this area specifically. Maybe, mm, maybe, yeah, yeah. But it does it does lead me to think about this macabre poetic vengeance. Let's mm-hmm. say from Simon. You remember, like Negan was saying, one. Right. And instead of, instead of killing one, he left one. Yes. Killing everybody else. Right. Which is like this, it's just really sadistic. Mm-hmm. And, and you know what? Not only that, assuming that Simon did what he did at Oceanside, this was much, much worse. Oh, yeah. Like it's escalating, whatever this is. Right. I mean, I, like to the point where I think he's fed up with Negan's way or Negan's I, I agree. methods. Yeah. I agree. Yeah. Especially left after losing his satellite yeah. clue, probably. Yes. You know? Now, there's one thing I want to link up, and it's something that I don't think a lot of people noticed, and it's that blue paint kind of has this reoccurring theme. theme. Yeah. 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 The handprint. Yes. And then also the the, the boot prints and, and, you know, Rick and Simon falling into the, or not falling, stepping into the blue paint, that sort of thing. Yeah. I'm wondering what the significance of that is because it's it's a very it's a specific specific color. To blue. Um, I there is a possibility that okay. you know that perhaps that will be the thing that leads Negan to kind of figure out what happened at the junkyard. Mm. He might go to the junkyard, or another crew of his might go to the junkyard and see that obviously all these people are dead, and he might try to piece together what happened here and the. There's not a lot of evidence left. No, there's clearly. <laughs> I just want to point that out. There's clearly not a lot of evidence <laughs> left. God, that was disgusting. Yeah. Yeah. But this blue paint that was spilled and that got on Simon's boots could be the telltale sign. I mean, it also got on on Rick's boots 
which might yeah. be a point of who who exactly did this was this was this a Rick move was this a Simon move like who necessarily did that but the blue paint I think might play a role in trying to figure out what exactly happened here mm. as like a clue potentially they they did make a point to show both men getting this blue paint on their shoes I was thinking more along the lines of you know what were the writers thinking by tying in this blue paint you know what I mean like first the handprints then the then the mm-hmm. the painting let's say or even sometimes the painting, they just like the to painting. mess with us is it it's true it's true <laughs> i mean they true. do certain things sometimes that you know oh what does this mean and it's like no it doesn't mean anything the letter a has been used numerous <laughs> times on the show like there was an a on the i think with the one of the garbage people's trailer there was an a and right, when they right. were in that trailer and at terminus you know oh. you start to think like oh this means does this mean something no no <laughs> I mean, the closest I got to thinking of something was, okay, if you remember the the colors for the kingdom, mm-hmm. Alexandria, I mean, Ale- I think the kingdom was green, Alexandria was white. Okay, yeah, right? yeah, yeah, the bands. And Hilltop was red or something, or I might be completely mixing it up, but then, there, then you have blue, and what does blue mean? I mean, could blue mean this new way of life? Yeah. You know, that sort of thing. I'm wondering about that. You know, Enid, has, is, I think he's wearing mm. a blue shirt too, you know, so I'm, I'm just wondering what that means. Is this, is this kind of like, are we signaling to to the viewer in a in a kind of a set design way not who the good guys are but like is this innocence is this the new path is this, this is like kind of like a new way of looking at things like introducing this mm-hmm. color let's say i don't know and and the color is the same too the, the one of yeah. judith and carl's handprints yeah. and the color that was uh next to the painting mm-hmm. it's the same exact color yeah so it, it just makes me wonder i don't know it's just something that i that i was thinking and i really you know again in a few days of trying to think about it i really haven't thought of what ties it all together i think it will play a factor i don't i don't think it's some i don't think it's a throwaway detail I think it definitely will play into something. What that is, I'm not totally sure, but I have a hunch that it'll probably be in order for Negan to probably piece together what happened at the junkyard because he's going to find out. Yeah. He's going to find out. One way or the other. Or or like maybe all oh, the message wasn't received and they just fled, but that doesn't seem right, right? So right. who knows? Exactly. Yeah. It's clear right now, and even Negan mentions it, is that, you know, he's like barely hanging on. You know, he's, right. he's trying to hang on to what he's got. And that's the thing, the difference between Simon and Negan. Negan is being strategic. Mm-hmm. You know, Simon is being more Napoleonic. Like, right. you know, let's conquer the world. Let's stretch ourselves too thin. Like Alexander the Great. Yeah. All these leaders, what they didn't learn was from history was that if you spread yourself too thin, you lose control. And Negan, Negan's got it. He knows. But Simon just it. doesn't doesn't learn from history he's just just his blind spot is his emotion or is his sadism or whatever it is mm-hmm. and so yeah it's it's just going to be very interesting to see how uh, hopefully we won't see it how negan deals with simon yeah he's gonna he's gonna find he's out he's gonna find out for sure yeah we move on to that immediately to jadis rishon finds jadis and um i started getting like really i don't know emotional but all the, the crappy things we were saying about the junkyard gang uh, throughout <laughs> our season and um you hear her speaking english like actual english yeah and i felt like such a jerk <laughs> but you no, but you know what though it, it reminded me of King Ezekiel when his men were all killed and the facade comes down and the king speak goes by the wayside. It's the same thing with Jadis. It's like the facade yeah. came down. No more of this secret language or whatever that they have. No more pretend. No right. more pretend because it's it's done. It's gone. What you built, what you had is, is gone. And we find out that she was 
an artist right. makes sense. Right. Do you think this was like an artist colony? Like all these people were artists or you think it was just her? That's the only thing I was a little confused about, but it seemed maybe, like- Maybe not all of them were artists, but for sure, I think that the man and woman right hands that she had, Tamiel and I think Brian was the name yeah. of the other person. I think that they might've been artists too, because right. I think that Brian was naked when she was like doing her naked sculpting. I think he mm-hmm. was too. So I think yeah. that they are kind of cut from the same cloth and they, they, they might've been kind of artist pals. You know, I don't know about everybody else, but at least they were. And also because like she seems, she seemed most affected by their deaths. Right. Right. Specifically. I watched this obviously like two or three times. I realized one thing and that was, it feels like the junkyard was just like a different and maybe even more willfully ignorant version of Alexandria. You had the same mm-hmm. strategic kind of layout where it, it's not impenetrable. I mean, it probably is. You know, there's one mm-hmm. way in, one way out. The way they piled the heaps, because as you f- find out from Jadis explaining things, is that it was just a, a landfill, just like a right. big landfill. And they basically organized it into heaps. They created paths. They created dwellings, I guess, let's just say. And they really kind of turned this into kind of like a junkyard city. Mm-hmm. They paved paths. They reused the junk mm-hmm. to create art. And Jadis explains this. She saw a canvas and she decided to create something from it. Mm-hmm. And they created this colony. But it just goes back to Alexandria. What you think is the smartest thing to do in this world is to create these walls and to create these defenses and to just live apart from this world. Turns out that the world eventually finds a way to seep in. And it just hit me like a ton of breaks. I'm like, wow, as much as you think these people are different, wildly different. And we were like making fun of them and we hated them and that Mm -hmm. sort of thing. And it's like the Gabriel effect, you know, (laughs) you're like, oh, what the heck? You know, like, why are you doing this? And then, and then you realize, oh my God, this could be us. You know, we could be playing language games and creating these, these dwellings that are completely walled off from the rest of the world to create art till the end of time, you know, that sort of thing. And then you find out that you can't just live apart from the world. You you have to be a part of the solution, I guess. Right. And so, yeah, it's just, it's just kind of weird, you know, seeing this juxtaposition between which is the word of the day apparently because i'm saying it so much Mm. between them and alexandria and then we know what happened to alexandria i mean almost every key person that was there is was is gone yeah and the same thing happened here so yeah there are parallels there are definitely very strong parallels for sure. Yeah. The kingdom too, sort of. Kingdom I guess. too, yeah. Mm-hmm. There is one thing that is glaring that I, and again, I did not see this anywhere else. Okay. And we're going to see this later as we talk about it. But Rick says the same exact thing to Jadis that Negan says to Rick about Carl. He says, you did this to Jadis. Right, right. I thought that was very cool. Mm-hmm. Once I watched the episode like two or three times, I'm like, oh, wow. He used the same exact words mm-hmm. almost to Jadis. And he did the same thing that he did with Sadiq. He fired a shot over her head. Just a warning shot. Don't follow. Right. And Rick hasn't he, learned. Yeah. And he's falling back to, to those lines. Yeah. I, I just thought those were interesting. And I think in the case of with Jadis, it's going to come back and bite him because Jadis is alive and she is a wild card. Yeah, that's what I was going to ask you, ask you next, because that is a very interesting. Uh, what, what do you think is going to happen? Yeah, 
I, you know what? I, I'm not completely sure when it comes to Jadis because she has no allegiance to any side whatsoever. Right. So she very much is a wild card. Neither side has shown her any kind of mercy or aid. So what does that mean? We are going to see her again. Oh, definitely. In, in what capacity? That's what I'm not totally sure of. Some people theorize that we might not see her again for some time. Ooh. And she might resurface again in the future as like an enemy with a vengeance, rightfully so. Wow. Which is an interesting theory. I don't know. I, I'm not necessarily sure what direction they go with Jadis. It would be typical too, right? The fact that you didn't have mercy will come biting back at you. you I'm know? sure it will come You're back the to cause bite them. Of this. I am positive. I just don't know if they're going to see the repercussions of that now, or is it something that they're going to like, we're going to shelf this for a little bit. And then when it's like, oh, the war's over, everything's resolved, <laughs> then it's like, oh, no, you forgot about me, huh? You know, you at least like, expect it, yeah. Exactly. So it's Ugh. like, I could see them pulling something <sighs> like that for sure, but I don't know if, that she, if she'll still be around right now because... Who's flying that helicopter? Who's going to fly that? <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like there, there's a helipad and solar panels. What, what's happening with that? You well, know? Remember what you theorized. You theorize. So it's heat. Heat's flying so no, the helicopter. We have to stick to our original theory, man. Oh, gosh. <laughs> I, I just, I, the junkyard people are letting heat stay behind the, behind the, the landfill. Yeah, um, like in the, seriously. In the room with the solar panels. <laughs> Like, and, and, seriously, I need to know where's that helicopter right now? <laughs> Who's flying it? I, I need to know this right now. It feels like it's not them, though. It wasn't them. Maybe they have access to it, but they just don't. But they themselves don't fly it. I can't imagine any of those people in the garbage community would be flying a helicopter. I don't think yeah. that they they have the means to be able to do that. But clearly... They were aware that there is a helipad, that there are solar panels, but who's using those resources or what? I, I don't right. know. Because the saviors don't know. They don't no. know who, who's, who, who the, who's doing that. No. They're, I mean, they could assume that it's them, but it's just, they don't know. No. Which is why Simon asked. Right. So uh, I don't know. Ugh. But don't you know, know, the one thing that does give me hope is that as she has just finished disposing of her people, you do see her flash back to Simon killing Tamiel and Brian. Yes. And it's just so short, but I was just thinking to myself, I think she's going to remember who, whose fault it was really. Oh, and yeah. I think maybe there is going to be a part of her that I hope thinks back to how she interacted with, with Rick and, mm -hmm. and maybe claims responsibility. That's what I hope. I, I'm going to lean on that just for now because- right. I think it's the same thing with Rick and Negan, which we'll talk about later. It's it's that I do think that his words are going to echo with her. And she's <laughs> going to realize that she was on the wrong side of history. She was kind of like the architect of her people's downfall. Even though she played everything, I think, the way she was supposed to. Mm -hmm. it, and it's the same with Gavin. He played everything the way he was supposed to. And yet he still fell, you know, that mm. sort of thing. So you see these repeating themes of, you know, oh, I was just doing what I was supposed to do for my people or, you know, whatever it is, you know, doing. Right. what i thought you know was would be on the right the winning side mm -hmm. and uh yeah and these people you know they, they get hurt it, it's just this odd thing when you look at the top of the applesauce candy did you notice the three circles the three interlocking circles no on top of it there were three interlocking circles yeah what, like a kind of like biohazard sort of like yeah symbol? sort of like sort of yeah you could look at it and you could say oh it looks like a biohazard symbol uh, the for my first thought was the Celtic symbol on Michonne's katana a little bit <laughs> like that. 
I, I don't know. It's just something I th- that I that thought was looked really funny for hmm. you know a can of applesauce, like a generic can of applesauce. It would be interesting if it was like some sort of biohazard symbol, because then it would kind of go back to resources from a military operation, like in case of emergency, like these kind of goods that can withstand these kind of <laughs> conditions. Yeah. Conditions, exactly. Yeah. You know. Well, it wasn't necessarily a biohazard symbol. It just looked like three circles that like sort of kind of overlapped each other. I mean, you could be right. I could, it could just be that, and I'm just look, looking into it more. Than, I just thought there was maybe, like, artistic license at, at play. Like, what does that mm-hmm. mean, you know? I don't know. Interesting. We do kind of go straight to Rick, though. Yes. And Michelle, Michonne calling Rick out on his BS. She's trying to navigate this very carefully. After everything Carl said to you, do you really think the choice you made was the right one? And she's having the same confrontation that Carl had with Rick after the gas mm-hmm. station thing. Yeah. It's like hell is repetition. Rick, you, you got to face this, man. Yeah. You're yeah. not going to leave hell until you can't keep falling back to these to these lines. Hell yeah. is making the same mistakes over and over again or madness and expecting it to change. I guess that kind of at least made him snap out of it long enough to kind of say, hey, I got to take a moment for mental health. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. and like you said, he read Negan's letter over his own. Right. And did you do the thing where you paused it when the letter came out and tried to read some of it? You know, I, I tried. But there, there wasn't anything. Not that there would be anything scandalous, but like it was pretty generic from what I saw. Yeah. Like, like I about, got bit. <laughs> yeah, like I got bit and lines about forgiveness and yes, yes, you know things like that. So he definitely is trying to make his case to Negan about to, to kind of stop this fighting. But Rick doesn't want to hear it, which is why he doesn't even want to read the note directly. Right, to him. right, right, right. Yeah, he can't even face his own son because I yeah. think he knows that the second he reads his kid's letter, and he's going to have to face up to what he said he would promise to do. Right, exactly. Yeah. And I don't think he's ready to do that. Like I no. think he I think he's just not there. No. I don't as, think he's uh, there yet. As Kirkman said, he's compartmentalizing. Yes. Yeah, which I get. It's a, it's a way to deal with things, you know, but and there's no time for a mental health break. There's no time to grieve. No, there's no time to grieve. So, so you can't really blame him, right? Yeah, you know, in a way. <laughs> In a way, yeah, he doesn't have the luxury of being able to sit and ponder and deal with his feelings. But at the same time, he's kind of going full throttle in the other direction. But you're also barreling into things, yeah, barreling into this exactly, right. rather than kind of like, okay, let's think this through. And you're like a ship without a rudder, man. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's in a storm. And that's where he's at right now. You're going back to the actual letter and and confronting Negan over the walkie. The only one who's really kind of reacting to Carl's death is Negan. It's Negan. Yeah. Yeah, The first question he asks, and this is like, how did it happen? He drops, he totally drops his act. Bravado. Yeah, the bravado yeah. goes away. And and I think it's because he, he felt that he was responsible. And you right. know what? If, if Rick had half a mind... He could have said that he was. Yeah, but that's the thing. You know, Rick is not that clever. No. <laughs> I don't know if it's because he has these blinders on. I don't know if he's just on autopilot. I don't know. I think what he's on autopilot and blinders and he's not he, he's not thinking strategically whatsoever. Right. No. He's just barreling forward like, I'm gonna get you. You know, like, okay, all right. It's kinda like in war when you've been like mortally wounded and you just keep trying to 
carry out the mission and knowing full well that you can't do it. You just automatically fall into your orders or something. That's I think that's where Rick's at. He's just blindly following the plan, even though the plan has changed. Like he just keeps going and it's not pretty. It's like watching somebody, a dead man, literally just keep keep it's like a ghost he's just repeating the same thing over and the the horrible tragedy over and over again and he's just keep he just keeps going and that's i think where he's at like he's just stuck and he can't get out and he needs to and i think he's afraid to because as soon as he does he's going to have to face the reality not that he got carl killed but all these realities that he's had to face along the way you know gracie's dad and then baby gracie and then snapping out of it and and carl's death itself it's all these things that i'm really trying to kind of feel the gravity of what he's going through and it's so easy to judge rick in the moment but you kind of have to walk in his crazy ass shoes first immediately afterwards he, he says the exact same thing rick said to jadis is like carl mm-hmm. is dead because of you you know you right. weren't you weren't there to protect him yeah that was harsh it's it's an obvious observation to kind of say that Negan is trying to manipulate the situation to kind of screw with Rick's head. But the one thing that I was maybe even thinking of was, is this Negan trying to be open to peace in a way? In Do a way. Want, it makes I me think, wonder. Well, I mean, I think he's open to his idea of peace, which is right, like, exactly. give <laughs> That's up. That's what I was thinking too. <laughs> His his world order is still stands, but he yeah. is him living or something. I don't he's know. He's basically like, well, because I don't think he has the intention of just killing them all anyway. No. I think that his his plan is always like, okay, well, Rick would have to die, but I don't think that he feels like everybody else would. He always wanted them just to all fall in, fall in line. That, that's yeah. always what he wanted. So he's sort of like, come on, man, just, just let it go. How many more people have to die for you to realize like this is this is a futile fight right right and i I think that's that's the one thing that's kind of interesting is that i think we're both in agreement now that i think maybe just like a simon okay he has control over simon he does not have control over rick so rick is kind of like a ticking time bomb he will be eliminating resources left and right along the way in in the war path to kill negan so i think maybe Maybe you're right. Maybe it's just Negan being pragmatic and sticking to his philosophy and saying, look, I got to manipulate this guy in any way possible to stop him from killing resources off left and right. Uh Because if I don't get a handle on this, and it's not about killing Rick, it's just about like, hey, okay, ease up, buddy. You need to think about what you're doing because every move you make right now is killing people, like your own people, my people, and it's just got to stop, you know? Yeah, because because ne- notice one thing: Negan does not say that I'm going to get you. No, he doesn't. He never does. You. He never does. He After never watching it again. Yeah, yeah. He's very pragmatic and strategic in his approach. His purpose is not to be like, yeah, I got it. I'm going to get you. You're going to get me. No, I'm going to get. No, he's actually far more the saner person in that conversation in that he's just, what the hell are you doing, man? Just stop with this already. It, it's it's a pointless battle. How many more innocent people are going to have to die before you realize that this is this is insanity? I, I think that his, his point of view is actually the far more <laughs> logical point of view. Obviously, yeah. like it benefits him, of course, but he's not coming at him in a like, I'm going to get you and... Uh, like, yeah, Negan is not motivated by emotion. Like no, no matter how, what the setback, you know. Yeah. Short of somebody touching Lucille, 
<laughs> like right. he clings on to his philosophy like it's gospel, like it's right. it's like like it's um the word of God. This is what's going to get me through this. Yep. You know, and and that's this is the word. Yeah, it's like the gospel according to Negan is basically. <laughs> You know, yes. this, this is how yes. it's approached. You know? Oh, that's beautiful. Yes. Uh, okay. Yeah. Well, actually, this is kind of where it all ends. But I do want to talk about the sneak peeks because yes. we see some pretty interesting stuff. Those rapid frames in the end, sure. Mm-hmm. But like, we do start out with uh, the Alexandria crew and Dwight yes. having to possibly navigate the swamp walkers. Ugh. And as we, we I, th- I don't think we've necessarily seen this before. But I do remember that shack that, uh, I think, was it Aaron and Rick? Remember that shack in the middle of the pond? Yes, it was. It was Aaron and Rick, yes. So we saw kind of a variation of that, but this Mm -hmm. is kind of another level on that. It was closer to what we saw, I think, with young Carl. And remember when Carl was at the the swamp? There was like a walker that was stuck in the swamp. Oh, yeah, that was was like back in season two. two. That's right. Yeah. That was the last time we kind of saw something like that. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Like a swamp walker, basically. Yeah. But this one seems a little bit more intense. Yeah, yeah, these do. Now, the one thing that, that I want to pan to, and this kind of skips over, like you see other frames, but then you go to Tara pointing a gun at Dwight, and then yes. finally Daryl calling Tara out to stop. Which, yeah, I, I don't understand Tara. I, I'm not necessarily, I don't know, we're here again, like this this wrath coming from. Oh, she ain't, she ain't got no mercy. <laughs> She clearly doesn't. But it's interesting to see that Daryl, he was very vocal here. I I didn't write down exactly what he said, but he was just he was just kind of like, you know, you gotta stop this. Yeah. Smack this shit out of you. Yeah. I mean, like just kind of Which is good, finally. Yes, exactly. Like somebody needs to say that to her. Just chill out, man. Take a Valium. Yeah. Like, tackle uh, her to the ground. Stop it. I feel like we have to kind of go back to Tara, though. Like, her story sucks. Her story does suck. Between feeling powerless over... I mean, being weak. Completely weak. Yeah. And having her sister being killed at the hands of the governor. That mm-hmm. sort of thing. It's, yeah. It's, time after time after time of not being able to stop people killing the people she loves. So, uh, it's... Right. And Dwight still being alive is a huge problem for her because it's kind of like that thorn in her side that she just has to remove. And it's the same thing that Rick is dealing with. It's this automatic autopilot. I got to take him out because, you know, that's just the way it's got to be. Yeah. So it's very interesting to see Daryl finally snap out of it and say, hey, this is not good for the rest of us. Your bloodlust is, it's, it's, it's like the extreme position. Right. Your vengeance is going to possibly kill us because right. we need this guy. This we, guy has yeah. helped us so far. Yep, exactly. I'll pan back to Maggie starving her captives and we're really starting right. to see. Now, I don't know what the impetus of that is. I don't know if they're running out of supplies or whatever. Because, I mean, they were already kind of starting to run out of food, if you remember. Right. And it is like 38 prisoners. It's a lot. That's a yeah. lot of people. Yeah. There's only so many turnips, right? Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> yeah. You know, all of them getting diarrhea and gas or whatever. <laughs> so, but yeah, it's, it's tough. It's tough. So I'm not willing to kind of count her out yet, but I do think that she's going to start to having to resort to, hey, it's us, it's us or you. Right, right. And it's yeah. going to be us. Yep. I think so. I think we're yeah. going to start to see more of that. Now, Eugene is at the Bullet Factory. Yes, which it's is for like a frame, which I anticipated. I yep. do think, though, that he will find a way to smuggle bullets to Rick and team and the resistance, mm-hmm. or he might make blanks, right? Like we, bullets, like we said last week. I think that he will find 
a way to help the other side with his capability, one way or another. Now, do you still think that after we saw the extra scene uh, after Talking Dead, or did you not see that? Or I didn't see the extra <sighs> scene. Let me paint it for you. Okay, go right ahead. Because I'm going to do this for the audience as well. Okay, perfect. Um, so Megan and Eugene are in the conference room. And it's interesting because it opens up with Eugene actually asking about how it went in Alexandria. Mm. And Negan says, do you care? After they try uh. to blow you away and, mm. you know, other stuff. But uh, Eugene, Eugene quickly snaps back a message stamped and received. You don't have to say anything more. You're right. Okay. You know, mm-hmm. I guess old habits, right? <laughs> I yeah. asked about them because of old habits. In the scene, Negan says, you know, I got a mission for you. Your job is as my bullet makers. I'm, I'm going to have you be in charge of this outpost. Now, mm-hmm. the one thing, one thing I want to ask, and I think I'm not, I'm, it's not that I'm confused about it, but is the foundry, you know, the place where, uh, where Eugene makes the bullets, is that the same place as the armory? Or I think these are two different places. If they're, two, they're two different places. The place where you could actually make the bullets was the place where he and Abraham had killed the welded walkers. There was there was one that had melted. That was the inspiration for him building the wall with the walkers at the sanctuary. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's um, right. That all came from that experience at that location with Abraham. Yeah. Yeah, and he'll have guys there producing bullets and all that. So I think I think he will find a way to help the resistance with this newfound ability now. Yeah. yeah I got to yeah. think that he's going to help them somehow. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not 100% certain. It made me think that Eugene was going to fall in line. But then again, you know, he let... Let Father Gabriel and, and uh, Dr. Carson yeah, exactly. get a way to escape. The scene was at night. It was very dark. So... I'm not 100% certain where in the timeline this is, whether he f- he's already found out that the doctor is gone. Is this maybe before all this happened? Because the only thing he does mention is that it took, you know, it took a lot of bullets to clear out the dead from the path. And now we, I need my bullet maker to make more bullets. Mm. I think more often than not, maybe 50% of the time when they show us an extra scene uh, at the end of Talking mm. Dead, it more or less happens in the beginning of the episode, usually. Mm. Mm-hmm. More often, like the majority of the time, even though that mm-hmm. majority might be like 50, you know, 40%, 50% of the time. I do think yeah. this might be a beginning scene because I think that will be the basis of maybe Eugene's either courage or falling in line or whatever. And that may dictate what happens in the rest of the episode. And, and what we have been seeing, though, and this is something I kind of wanted to bring up before, was that with Simon being unreliable and now knowing what we know now, Gavin being out of the picture, mm-hmm. Dwight having abandoned him, and what do we have, only Regina left? His trusted lieutenants are just getting picked off one by one by one. Yeah, He can hold on to his philosophy all he wants, but without his loyal top tier, the, he can only hold it together so much. And if Eugene goes down this path, I would say Regina is not enough to kind of no. keep this all together. Eugene is, is he's kind of like the keystone at this point in my mind, because I think he already has the support of the people. You know, yes. he, they look up to him like Matt. Yes. So it, it's just very interesting. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see. But there was a bit of dialogue after that. When Negan tells him to go out and make bullets and, you know, to be lead this outpost, Eugene does say, say something. He said, hey, I thought people were a resource because if I'm making mm. bullets to kill people, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. But then Negan says, quite plainly, he says, hey, bullets are the last resort. And besides which, Lucille gets first dibs. So it's an odd set of lines. At the end of the day, he doesn't necessarily want it to come to that point. But 
if it's a situation where Rick and crew are firing at him and his people, what are they going to do? Exactly. They have to be prepared to defend themselves. You right. know, Rick has right. basically put it out there saying, I'm going to kill you. So it's like, what is he going to do? He's got to be armed and ready. Yeah. Rick's know? after me. He's going to kill my resources. So I've got to, yeah. you know, more often than not, Negan is not armed with a firearm. Like I right. you rarely, if ever see him with the firearm. Very rarely. Yeah. I mean, I don't know if we've ever. I'm not sure. You know what's funny? I think we did in the very first episode that he was introduced when he was in the trailer playing around with Rick when he kind of like kicked him out to try to get his hatchet or whatever. And he killed these walkers that he kind of... That oh, Rick was, yeah. Yeah, and he had a gun then. It's a rare occasion that he does have one. Very right, rare. Right, right, right. That may have been it, Yeah. to be honest. Leave it to Talking Dead to kind of choose the most benign scene, <laughs> I think. <laughs> To, well, to they show us, do that. yeah, but you know, notorious it, for it. It is what it is. You have any other thoughts about this episode? I think it definitely was very successful in making the junkyard actually mean something. Yeah, I think at least to us. <laughs> well, I, well, I think more often than not, everybody says like, "Oh God, the junkyard! Here we go!" <laughs> Roll the <laughs> eyes. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but like I said, their purpose may have been purely to to be killed off by Simon to prove that Simon is more or less the real danger or the real wild card rather than Negan. But it also leaves the door open for what Jade is going to do. Yeah. Everybody's guess what she's going to do. And now we know we've confirmed that there is a helipad and solar panels within that junkyard. So what does that mean? What happens to those resources? Yeah. And I think um, Polly, uh, was it Pollyanna? McIntosh. McIntosh. I think she's still in the credits, if I'm not mistaken. So she, she was, yeah, she's a full-time cast member. Yeah, like they really feature her. Yeah, so we definitely haven't seen the last of her. I just don't know in what capacity we're going to see her again. Like, is she right. just going to be flying that helicopter and just wreaking havoc on, on Rick and Negan? I don't know. Do you think she's going to be more of a, a Keith or is she going to be more of a Morgan? Because I had the same thoughts about Morgan after his kind of mental break, you know, him walking away saying, you know, I know I'm, I know I'm not all right, but, I know, but I'm not wrong, something like that. Maybe uh, ping pong me back and forth, but like, I think maybe we may immediately see her in some capacity. We, we may immediately see her. Just not sure what direction she's going to go. If you had to put her like on a, on, a, on a meter, do you think she would be closer to a Morgan or closer to a Keith? That's a good question. Oh, God. I have to put you on the spot on this one. Jeez. I mean, I think she's <laughs> going to be pretty revengeful. I think Ooh. she's going to be pretty... But immediate or like way down the road, do you think? Uh, I, I think immediate and I think... Ooh. I have heard theories swarming about how this potentially could be laying the groundwork for her to be the leader of the next villain in oh, the comic. Crap. Oh, that that maybe this lays the foundation for why she would have a bone to pick with them, Mm. which is possible. I kind of hope that that's not the case though, because I would want that story arc to kind of follow more in line with the comics because like I said, I think that then you could give that story arc to Daryl and let him run with it and have something. But if you kind of lay the groundwork out this way and you this is the impetus for why Jadis becomes the next big enemy or whatever, the leader of that next bad group is a female. So mm. you 
could potentially spin it in that, like, you know, Jadis is this scorned woman. Her people were slaughtered by, as far as she's concerned, the saviors and Rick's group because they both played a role in, like, getting her to this point and not showing any mercy to her. I don't know. Yeah, it's like getting stuck between these two factions that mm-hmm. ultimately destroyed her people completely. Right playing those sides right but yeah, and you're right it may be just an issue of like okay we're sh- we, we're reutilizing these characters and playing shuffleboard mm-hmm. replacing carl with say daryl or this next enemy with jade as being a key part of that you know right. it's, it's, it's possible anything's possible i would like to bring up again something i said uh i think in the last episode before our break was that we still haven't seen winter i i want it to be like at least something that comes up or maybe at the end of the season, like mm-hmm. the last frame of the last episode of the season is that you start to see snowfall. It'd be very interesting. I do think that should be a layer. And and the reason why I even bring it up is because when it's all said and done, that could be a, another factor that comes along with another huge problem that exacerbates mm-hmm. the situation. So I don't know. I just thought it might be important to bring up again. It would be cool. It'd be cool yeah. to see. Something we haven't seen before. Yeah, frozen water. Yeah, and I think our crew needs a break. They can only stand so much. Oh, heat, swampy Georgia. Heat. Poor guys. Yeah, that's rough. Oof. Yeah. With that, we'll call it a night. Hope you uh, guys stick around for the next episode. And just as a reminder, uh, something that I didn't say before, but I'm saying reminder anyway, is that we're going to actually be reposting our episodes on our Facebook page. I started out with the edited versions of one and two. I'll be posting three and four next week, maybe like Tuesday or Wednesday. And by the time the last episode of the season comes out, we should be all caught up on the Facebook page. But in the meantime, you can check our episodes out on SoundCloud, on Apple Podcasts, Google Google Play, music, so you can get that straight from our webpage, squawkingdad.com. You can basically find us everywhere at this point. Uh, Good evening, and I bid you adieu. Until the next one. See you next time.